0: My name is Randy Carey, and I have been with the Ministry of Medicine for 20-plus years. Uh, so it's been a long time. I've been doing this a long time. My role in medicine is to raise money so you can go. So, yes, you can take me out to dinner afterwards. Actually, <laughs> uh, no, but uh, I've, been, I've been doing it for a long time, and I love the ministry. Obviously, it's in my blood, and I, I love uh, being here because I get to see people like you that could possibly benefit from the program. I um, uh, shared uh, this class, this discussion, is with uh, Dr. Doug Limberg. Uh, Doug is a physician, family practice. Uh, he is a physician. He is a medicine grant recipient who is now an alumni, and uh, and he's married to a physician. And I don't think there's a more qualified person to talk about what we're going to talk about and experience it than Dr. Doug Lindbergh. So a uh, good combination to... Uh, kind of give you uh, some preparation on what to learn about medical missions. Okay, so we've talked about that. Let me show you the next slide, which is, uh, if I'm in your way, let me know. But this is a quote. You can read it yourself. I got this quote from a physician that went around uh, the country with her husband, Tom Hale, and she and her husband and the founder, Dr. David Topazian, kind of put medicine on the the map. They go and do dinners and talk about medicine. And most people never really believed it would get off the ground, because they said, do physicians, do they need, they don't need money to pay for their loans, they're making a lot of money, they don't need that, but in fact they did. And uh, so Cynthia Hale wrote this, I heard her speak a number of times, her husband, Tom Hale, uh, wrote a number of books that I have in a handout for you, I will upload those uh, handouts for those that are you online, after this class, but... uh She mentioned a couple of books that her husband wrote, and they're funny, they're engaging, and they're helpful. They served in Nepal for about 35 years, and in fact, Doug went to Nepal, so he followed their steps. But she and her husband wrote some books. Those resources are on that page, and she also talks about a calling. Are you called to medical missions? Because that's one of several questions our board wants to know For you to define is if you've been called to medical missions, how how can you how do you describe it? What are the words you're looking for uh, for that definition in your life? Okay, so uh, what Doug and I want to accomplish in this period of uh, next uh, 15 minutes is we want to be bottom line. We want to encourage you. We are here to help you get to the mission field if if God's called you there. That's what we're here for. So. Hopefully at the end of 50 minutes, if we haven't encouraged you, then we've done, we haven't done our job. But there are some challenging aspects between now and the end of this class. And one of the challenging aspects is this thing right here. You can see is that medical missions is getting more and more difficult uh, to go. U.S. people having a harder and harder time uh, getting visas. It's getting more dangerous. It's tougher to go. And I see that with the applications. So if I can use an analogy, uh, I'm, I served uh, our nation for 23 years in the military, and I, I see myself as a recruiter going in the midst of a battle that's going on, say World War II it might be an example, where I'm trying to talk to those that are in the United States saying, hey, we need you to go. There's people fighting on the front lines. Yes, it's difficult. But we need you, and I'm here to encourage you to go sign up. That's kind of one analogy I like to use. is uh, It is hard, uh, and it's getting harder, yet God is still moving in people like yours' hearts to go, and MedSend is here to help you. So when I first joined the organization 21 years ago, uh, there was about maybe one or two in ten that were going to the hardest places, to the closed countries. That was twenty years ago. Now, about six in ten are, are are going to these closed places. Why is that? I think, you know, most of the thing is, well, God's stirring in their hearts and moving them there, but many countries that were weren't closed or difficult have now become closed or more difficult. So the number of countries that are moving up on this on this list, I'll show you a graph in a little bit that's more countries are harder to reach for the gospel. It's just becoming more challenging. But okay, so the door is closing. Now the next example I like to use is, uh, I wanted to share with you is, uh, despite closing, so uh, what is the one ministry that often has the most likelihood of having access to these closed countries? Well, let me put it this way. If you're a church planner and you're going into a Muslim-majority country and uh, How long does it take you typically to uh, establish a church? Someone take a guess. A year or two is optimistic. Five might be reasonable to expect you'd start getting some traction. Uh, of course, it's the work of the Holy Spirit, but that's just generally averages. Now, what happens if in that same community in town, Muslim majority, and they hear there is a U.S. physician or a nurse or some, a team of people who are going to set up in two days uh, in their community? Well, what kind of response do you think you're going to see for people coming and being exposed to the gospel if they're asked? Uh, uh, people actually start walking two days prior to come. I mean, I've read stories where they've walked through the night, days to come and to be seen by a, an American physician. And I'll explain why that is in just a minute, but I just want you to understand that we get access to countries because you all are the best trained in the world. And they know you're, why you're, most of the cases these governments know why you're coming you're going to try to proselytize, but they'll keep an eye on that. But they know that you're the best in the world and they want to learn from you. So they give you access uh, in many cases. Okay. You know, if they say a picture is worth a thousand words, I love this picture. Uh, I love it because this woman here is a uh, health professional and she, you know she's caring for the, the, uh, the poor, the outcast. But... What I also like is, you need to know a little bit of her background story. I, as part of this ministry, have traveled several times to Africa, and I've been to Malawi several times. And one time I told my brother-in-law, who worked for the State Department, I said, I'm going to go to Malawi uh, next month. And he said, no, you're not. And I said, well, why do you say that? I'm going to Malawi. It's it's not dangerous. It's not that dangerous. He said, oh, Malawi. I thought you said Mali. If it were Mali... I'd say you're not going. But Malawi, okay, you can go. This, mo- this woman here is a physician, was serving in Mali for seven years. She and her family. Doing an amazing work. And just uh, about six months ago, was evacuated. And one evening she got the call, you gotta leave. She knew that. She left with great tears, she and her family, because it got too, too, more, too dangerous. And I can remember her writing us in April and saying, you know, I'm kind of, uh, I'm in shock. Here I am in the States. I don't know why God's pulled me out of that country. I know I should be, but kind of where am I going to go next? I thought he had called me. I'd been I spent seven years at building and all of a sudden now I'm I'm in I'm in a limbo land. I just don't know where to go. Well, she has now found another country and moved her family there. But uh, my point is it's dangerous and, and she was serving in the most dangerous country, but the God God had other plans, like he did, you know, in the life of Paul. Here's another picture that I like. Uh, so which one's the medicine grant recipient? <laughs> Obviously, I think you all can see which one it is. But here's what this PA did. She was in, a, in this country, and uh, she was sharing basic medical needs. She taught a course to these Muslim women on basic women's health. Because if you know anything about... Uh, uh healthcare in muslim majority uh, countries you know it's very seldom that you ever have one on one with women and it's only women with women they don't uh, there's no men allowed to see women and often the husband is there with the woman when they're being seen so it's not easy but here she is she taught these women and these women all have certificates and they're heading out to share in their communities some basic women's health uh instruction now they 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 haven't become christians Although, when they would often ask her, you know, what on earth are you doing here in this country uh, when you could be in America making a lot of money and just enjoying a beautiful country? And she would say, I'm here because the love of Jesus Christ compels me to share the good news with you. And she can share that one-on-one. She can't share it as a group. And she had some success we, you know, we Westerners or people who are numbers oriented would say maybe she did wasn't very successful in terms of numbers, but she, uh, the people who needed to hear the gospel heard it, and she did some great work there. So I got a lot of admiration for her, and I just wanted you to see that picture. It's a good one. Okay, now I'm going to quickly turn it over to Doug, who's going to do a quick introduction himself. Doug?
1: All right, we're just passing the mic here to keep things fresh and keep you on your toes. So we'll. What's that? Okay. Um, hi, I'm Doug Lindbergh, and great to be with you guys this afternoon. Not um, something I can lean on. Uh, so um, I work part time for CMDA, Christian Medical and Dental Association. You probably can't miss us if you've walked through the exhibit hall. We have like half of the lower. Uh, exhibit hall, it seems like. Um, so, I work as the director for the Center for Advancing Healthcare Missions there, and um, I also work half time doing clinical work in um, family medicine, urgent care outside of Milwaukee.
0: Okay, uh, let's get on to this. So, can you think of a ministry that has access to just about every country in the world, regardless of its religious affinity? Can you think of a ministry that has some of the best trained individuals in the world who are prepared and eager to go? And finally, a ministry where you can see immediate kingdom impact uh, on once the services are performed. And, and that's the ministry of medicine. You know, that's, We're just modeling what our Lord did some 2,000 years ago. He healed first, and then he shared the good news of, of himself. Uh, so that's what medicine's all about. It's very powerful. And uh, what are we trying to do? Well, I already mentioned to you there is there's a, a vast contrast. It's changing with uh, where people are going to serve. Uh, I already told you about the, it's becoming more difficult. But based on World Health Organization, they say there's about 1.5 billion people that are medically underserved. And the Joshua Project says there's about 3 billion that are unreached. And with Voice of the Martyrs, they say there's a little over 3 billion that are closed countries. So where are we hoping you will go? In this Venn diagram, you know, it's that area that intersects all, all of those areas. Now, as a ministry, I'm going to share with you what we do in a second. I think you know, but we don't tell you where to go. That's between you and God. The Holy Spirit's the one that's directing you. We just come alongside and help you go to wherever God's called you. So we don't have any say necessarily in where you go. What do we do? We remove the second greatest obstacle you have in medical missions. Does anyone know what the first obstacle or the single reason why most people don't go to the mission field, what that first reason is for missions? Anyone know what it is? Say again, cost? No, not cost. Fear. Fear. Uh partly, as I give you partial credit for that, it's family. It's family's the number one reason that you don't go. The second reason you go are, hey, my loans are too big. And that's why the Lord raised up medicine some, we're about to celebrate our 30th anniversary next year. So some 30 years ago, people got together and they, they were seeing uh, health care professionals come off the field, retired, young people ready to go, but in the mid-80s, you don't know this. You weren't even born yet, I guess, probably. Mid-80s is when these uh, uh, the, the cost of education started every year, compounding at 5%, compounding at 5%, getting more and more expensive. So these young people say, we want to go, but our loans are too great. So there was a man by the name of Dan Fountain and a man by the name of David Topazian came together. Let's start an organization that will fund, pay for these loans and help them go. Their vision... Back in 92, 93, or yeah, 92, 93 was, uh, let's raise about a million dollars in, in eight years so we can release 34 people over that 10-year period. That's one million to release 34. It is now 2021, and the Lord has raised $21 million and released 700 of you. Truly The hand of God is on this work, and all we're doing is trying to hang on to what He's doing. And when He decides to shut it down, He can shut it down. But right now, He is pouring His blessings onto this work, and you will be the benefactor of that. So that's what we do: we remove the loan so you can go, we remove the debt so you can go. The next couple of examples, I just I want you to read it, other than to see who the what the profession is. This woman, uh, Beth. Is just gotten into Malawi. She's a surgeon doing some amazing work there. What else? We have a nurse in Bolivia. So she's on her second term. Medicine gives grants four years at a time. That kind of keeps us all accountable. And at the end of four years, if your loan is longer, typically it's 10, maybe 20, possibly 30-year loans now. We will keep paying them if you keep serving and we'll pay them off if you're serving. So she's on her second term. She reapplies and has gotten a second grant. You can get a third grant. We've got a lot of people in this building that are grant recipients that are now alumni and still serving because we've had their loans paid off. And that's a good thing. Here's a veterinarian in South Africa. Love his stories. I love veterinarians. It's out of uh, Christian Veterinary uh, Missions. Is out of uh, the Seattle area. Amazing work I've heard. This guy that we just had speak for us talked about a, uh, a rabbit bank. He passed out rabbits to people and they then would repay the rabbits in a couple of months and started uh, having a, a rabbit. Really amazing what he was doing. So, CVM, Christian Veterinary Mission. Here's an ophthalmologist. His name is John Cropsey, a hero of mine. He and a group of six as a matter of fact, they were just in here, uh, earlier. He and a group of six said, let's, let's look for the hardest place we can go. Let's pick Burundi. They went to Burundi and turned this old hospital and now it's thriving. I think they just built like a hundred and fifty man, hundred and fifty person or child hospital for children. Just a, just children clinic. They just built that. Crazy what they're doing. God's doing, moving through them. John Cropsey and now he's looking for another place to go because he's kind of established that. Here is a dentist going to Asia. Do we have his picture? Of course we do. Are we going to show his picture? No, he's going to a closed country, so you'll never see his picture associated with himself, Or and that's not even his real name if I have it. I don't even have his name there. So, closed country, dentist. So, with all of that, what uh, medicine was raised to solve the student debt issue, and that's what we're doing. You know, you can't raise enough money to not support yourself and pay on your loans, typically. So that's why God raised us up. If you all, you know, every people says, what's your life verse? Do you have a life verse? Well, if medicine was a person, this would be our life verse. I'll let you read it yourself. It's right out of Matthew 9. And what we're doing is we're being obedient to God's call to send more workers into the field. And that's what we're all about. Matter of fact, I should say, uh, uh, this church helps us. They support medicine in a remarkable way, so we're really grateful for that. And other churches do. So, where do we go? Well, I mentioned to you that now six and ten are going to hard places. Well, this list on my, on your right, Extreme persecution was something like two or three, maybe even just a couple of years ago. But now it's a list of uh, three, six, seven of the countries are now in extreme persecution for Christians. That list is growing. What's also interesting is, guess what? We have somebody in just about every one of those countries. We have somebody in North Korea. Crazy! North Korea. But God's called him. He happens to be, um, well, I'll, I'll just leave it at that. He's... He's serving in North Korea, and God's using him amazingly. Okay, so I already mentioned this. Six and ten are going there. They're going to 1040 window. Now, if you were to come to me and say, I'm ready to go. Well, you can't just go with anybody or by yourself. You have to go under what we call a sending organization, or we call them an associate. Fifty-plus organizations, thirty-plus are in this building today. They're here. Uh, They're the senders. You can't just go with anybody. You have to go with one of those 50-plus to, to get a grant from us to apply. Uh, where, where are they going? I've kind of mentioned the most of the places, but the reason I show this slide is because between 5 and 10% of our grants are staying here in the U.S. So we have people in Lawndale, and that Lawndale community is, has a booth here uh, below us. Uh, we have one in Esperanza in Philadelphia. We have one in Memphis. We have one in Buffalo, Doug told me about. So we have some, some people there, and you're generally serving in the (laughs) inner cities of the, of the, but we're paying on their loans so they can serve. Uh, and that number's always changing, so don't add them up and see how many we got, because it's always changing. But, uh, okay, what kind of professions? I've mentioned a number of them already. You probably can't see this list, but a majority of our grants go to physicians because why? Why do you think most of our grants go to physicians? They have the most debt. Yeah, they have the highest debt. But but we do nurses, uh, PAs, veterinarians. We had a pharmacist in our class last week, or uh, excuse me, last hour, a pharmacist. So we do all sorts of health professionals, and that just gives you a feel. That's what it is right now, but it changes every year. Okay. So if you were going to apply for a grant from Sin, what should you do? What are the next steps? Generally, you want to apply when you're in your fourth year of whatever training you're doing because it doesn't take us long to figure it out, but it's going to take you some time to figure out where has God called you and with which sending organization has he called you to go. If you know those answers, then it takes us, our board meets three times a year, and it maybe takes, you know, one. A three-month period for you to get in the in the system, the board evaluates you, and off you go. We approve you. When you're approved, that doesn't mean we automatically start paying. We start paying on your loans month by month. We don't pay them ahead of time. It's every month you're serving. Uh, for the next four years, we begin that when you're full-time with the organization you're going to go with. Okay, That's how we do it. So you would apply, uh, like I said, about a year out. And the question is, where has God called you to serve? And we don't, we, we, we hope that God's leading you to the least reached, right? That's where we, we want you to go. But that's between you and the Lord. Okay, what's next? Next steps, I said you apply. Uh, you'll, we, we do, we've added a new thing called an orientation, and that's where we get online and, and tell you about some of the basics that we're doing. But, uh, the, the important thing that I didn't, uh, that I want to mention to you is that one of the things we've now done is we've assigned an alumni that you and alumni will talk once a month for the first two years while you're on the field. Why is that? Because the length of time that you, in general, are staying is growing shorter and shorter. So, we're trying to stop that. We want you to stay longer and longer. And one of the ways is, uh, we've done is signing a, um, a coach is what we're calling them. We're also doing uh, annual conferences for you where once you get there, we've paid for a week and we have some professionals to kind of breathe into you, uh, shalom, to give you the afternoons off to be with your family. And we're paying for all of it. You just have to pay to get there. Wherever you are in the world, we're going to have a conference somewhere that will take care of you. That's the second thing. The third thing we're doing to help you and really to try to turn around this thing, this trend of people coming off uh, uh, quicker is uh, we have you do an annual report and in that report it goes uh, the, uh, some professional Christian psychologists have done this questionnaire to try to find out if you are showing signs of burnout. and if you are, they're going to offer you help now. We don't see that report. The sending organization doesn't see it, so that you are more likely to be honest with somebody than, say, your sending organization or us, because we got, you know, we got skin in the game. But we're doing it for you to try to help you. That's what we're doing, and we're excited about those changes because we we're, we got to do something to help that. Okay, I'm almost done. I'm gonna turn it over to Doug, but. Uh, Couple things that I've heard from missionaries and I thought this would be good. If you're interested in missions, you should kind of be checking off some of these things in your mind. Uh missionaries buy what they need, not what they want. Uh, they uh they use things up, wear things out, make things do or do without. That's a famous mission expression. Uh missionaries are conservers. So one of the things the board looks at several things when you apply. Uh, in times past, I've had people ask me, you know, is there a, is it a competitive thing? Like, uh, do we get some kind of score? How do we uh, rank with other people? Well, frankly, if you apply and you're qualified, uh, Lord willing, we'll have the resources to send you. We very seldom turn anyone down. And I just heard from a board member of MedSense say about over 90%, uh, get approved. And if you don't get approved, we tell you why and you fix it and you'll, you'll get approved. We are here to help you go. We're not here to kind of just keep throwing up. No, we don't want that. No, you don't meet that. That's not where we're here. We're we're helping you go. So the board looks at, uh, you know, are you preparing yourself financially? Are you buying a lot of uh, new car and apartments and condos? That tells us you're not really ready to go. It it you're buying stuff. So it doesn't mean you can't have them. I'm just saying the board considers that. The other thing they're looking at is. Um, can you demonstrate a calling uh, in your life for missions? The other thing they're looking at is are you serving in the kind of areas that you want to serve in now, even while you're in school? Are you helping the church out? Or you know, do you want to serve the poor? Can you demonstrate that in your life? <clears throat> and then finally we look at your references. And we look at your references, references, to make sure that you are who you say you are. So that's what the board's looking for. Uh, I like to ask the question. Uh, Say you're in school and you're on borrowed money should you be tithing that money to the church while you're going to school what would you say yay or no you know I want you to commit so mentally you can vote yes or no your borrowed money should you give that borrowed money to the church let me share with you my opinion now that you've placed your vote on yes or no in my opinion Uh, we would say, no, you shouldn't give money. You should give time, talent, but not necessarily treasure because what you're giving to the church, if it's borrowed, it's not yours anyway. And you're going into further debt. So Doug will mention a couple of verses when he first starts out. But one of them is you become a slave to your lender. If you're borrowing money, you now have to answer to him or her. So it's just a thought. You don't have to agree with me, but I'm just telling you our thought process. Okay, um, food for thought. Uh, we've all studied and practiced health uh, care. There are a lot of resources out there. If you've ever heard of the Perspectives course, I just completed that one. It's a great one if you haven't taken it. Uh, medicine's got a lot of other resources on our website. Missions about who you belong to, not what you do. Who you are matters to God much more than what you're doing. So if you have that mentality, you'll be fine. But often we're, we measure ourselves by, you know, like we heard this morning, how busy we are. <laughs> yeah, that was convicting to me. So I don't know about you, but oh boy. Okay, so uh, only, you're only as the goodness of the gospel defines you. Can you serve others? And that's what the kind of what the board's looking at. Uh. Share your, share, uh, every generation finds new ways to share their faith in Christ. I love this with the three Muslim women. Integrate your faith now, you know, when you're seeing, if you are treating people or seeing people now, you know, you'd ask, how can I uh, pray with you if that's allowed? Would it help if I prayed? How can you get into the spiritual aspects of the relationship uh, with medicine? Okay, so. Who are the organizations that are using medicine the most right now? That might be helpful to you. And SIM is the number one organization. They are here in this building. IMB is here. They're right across our booth. Frontiers is here. Team is here. All of these are here. <laughs> Go talk to them. They're the ones that are using our uh, programs the most right now. That's within the last year or two. So what is God telling you through this, this uh, presentation on, on my half of it? Trying to see how I'm done pretty good. Uh, What's he telling you? Well, you know, we're here to help you. Uh, The theme is go. We want you to go. We want you to answer God's call. And uh, I hear the rewards are uh, out of this world. Uh, You're either a giver or a goer. So if you don't end up going into medical missions, come give to medicine so others can go. Well, resources, I have them on a handout here. Come get them afterwards if you'd like them. We have a lot of the application for our grant is on our website. Uh, I hope that somehow I've encouraged you. This is the latest class or one of them that has gone, and I hope you'll be amongst the next ones in 2022 that is going to where God's called. I'm going to turn it over to Doug, who's going to give you some very wise advice. Eclipse to deal
1: with here. Alright. So, um, I'm going to now be talking about public service loan forgiveness. Does this have a pointer on it too, Randy? Or a, yeah, a laser?
0: Does.
1: Yeah. But I turned it off. Oh. That's not it. What have I done? We'll figure it out. Oh, I found the pointer, but I turned the whole thing off. There we go. Okay, cool. Um, all right, so let me, let me preclude this by saying that I'm going to be moving fast through this, and I don't need you to walk away with all the details on this. What I want you to walk away from in terms of my part of the talk is just a basic understanding that the Public Service Loan Forgiveness Program is out there and that it can be a huge benefit to you guys because um, exactly what it means in your situation you'll need to figure out and crunch some numbers and, and look at your own scenario but um, I want you to just walk away with um, perhaps even more questions than answers from this, but just to be familiar with it. So how many people have heard of the Public Student Loan Forgiveness Program? Show of hands. So about a third of us, okay. Um, so um, so I, I will say some disclaimers up front. I'm gonna, uh, so you need to keep informed of the developments uh, because this is something that's still evolving. Um, If you look, if you just do a Google search about this, you will see that there was a very poor initial track record when this was um, first rolled out. But there were some changes made to the program actually last month. And um, a a very exciting personal update that pertains to those uh, changes that were made last month was last night, I kid you not, last night, I became qualified for public service loan forgiveness and had $70,000 of my education debt forgiven. So um, that I feel like it gives me street cred giving this talk. now Because before I had been kind of talking theoretically, but now I am a PSLF recipient. So um, it does work. And that's because of the changes that happened in October. So the political winds of change can blow here uh, uh, to and fro and can change things a bit, but it seems with the adjustments they're making that some form of this is here to stay. And like I said, I'm going to move fast. These slides are uploaded. On, um, they're linked to this presentation on the GMHC website. I'll also give my uh, email at the end of this, so you guys feel free to, and Randy's as well, so feel free to reach out to us if you have questions or can't access the slides. So scripture guides our actions on this stuff, right? Um, I want to read through these quickly. Proverbs 21.5, the plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. 22.7, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. We ought not to be slaves if we can avoid it. Romans 13.8, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. Proverbs 12.24, diligent hands will rule but laziness ends in forced labor. And Proverbs 13:6, a wise man thinks ahead, a fool doesn't, and even brags about it. So it's good to be thinking and planning about this stuff. So why you should pay attention? If you serve as a missionary, the federal government can pay off a large portion of your loan. So what I'd like you guys to do, MedSend is is has been around for a long time, but I I refer to this as FedSend so this this partners with MedSend, and it's not one or the other. they work together and if you take advantage of FedSend along with MedSend, you can t- cost MedSend about about ninety percent less than you otherwise would as a grant recipient and free those dollars up that people are giving for other things um, so like MedSend Nationals, for instance, where they support um, people in developing in the developing world uh, who are who are studying, so it frees up resources for that while still allowing you to be there. It actually can provide you with a financial incentive to stay on the field, believe it or not, in terms of this, because you have less uh, less of a monthly payment. So, while I did receive grant forgiveness this last last night, it, we, Ruth and I still did miss the boat on this to some degree. So we both graduated in 2003. Uh, we're both physicians. Uh, we had a combined 280k in medical school debt, which I know today sounds like a walk in the park. Um, had we done from the outset when the program was introduced, had we both done public service loan forgiveness along with income-based repayment, we could have saved MedSend about 40 grand, ourselves 120 grand, and finished our payments in 2017. So that'll need to get down adjusted by about probably 20,000 for ourselves based on what happened yesterday, but um, still, it was a lot of money that we left on the table because we didn't do this sooner. So what can 120 grand get you these days? million eggs, a median-priced home in Millbourne, Pennsylvania. uh, 1,043 students could register for this conference or the annual budget for a lot of different mission hospitals. It's real money that we're talking about here. So the nuts and bolts, it started in October 2007. Um, To qualify, you need three R's. You need the right kind of loan, the right repayment plan, plan, and the right job. You got two out of three, you're out of luck. So you need all three of those to qualify for PSLF, but with one huge caveat, which um, is what was happened for me last night, so stay tuned for that. Um, So as far as the right loan goes, these are federal student loans. So loans from grandma and grandpa don't count. You can't get those forgiven through PSLF, okay? So it's a direct loan program. Um, So these would be family federal education loans, and Perkins loans are eligible Um, the current servicer for these loans is Fed Loan Servicing uh, for the U.S. Department of Education. That's going to be changing in the next few months as well. Again, this is why all of you need to do your homework for your own individual situation. So that's right loan, right job. So you can't be just a church planner and doing full-time Christian ministry, okay? You need to be spending at least 30 hours a week um, doing non... You can't be doing what's called, they classify as proselytizing, okay? Um, But... If you're, if you're working in the healthcare field overseas, you're going to spend, be spending 30 hours, even if you're only 20 hours in the clinic and 10 hours you know, doing other community health stuff and whatnot. So um, you need to be working for either the U.S. government or a U.S.-based nonprofit. Um, so any mission agency is going to be a 501c3, so would qualify. Um, and as far as healthcare organizations, this is a very important caveat for those of you who are going to be doing um, particularly residency or postgraduate training, that there are some health facilities in the U.S. now that are for profit. And so it is very important that you ask up front if they are a not-for-profit and and that you actually confirm with their tax ID number before you take that job because it could make the difference between those, whatever, three to seven years being qualifying payments, for PSLF or not. So you need to um, know if they're a nonprofit. and I'll have links to that and resources so you can check that against your own situation. So beware for-profit hospitals and residencies affiliated with them. Um, and you can have multiple employers. Like right now, I have two jobs. Neither one is, 40, is 30 hours uh, a week, but they add up to be well over that. So Um, This is the uh, public service loan. This is the help tool, and um, it has a help tool ninja that allows you to check that uh, employer and identification number to confirm that the employer you're considering is a nonprofit. Um, So PSLF, it's 10 years worth of payments that you have to make, 120 qualifying monthly payments that, that you're making. Um, They don't need to be consecutive. So if you have maternity leave six years in and are off for two years and then come back and work another four and you still have outstanding loans at the end of that, they're gone as long as you meet the the three R's. Um, But they do have to have been consolidated into the direct uh, loan program. Um, And then, again, any balance remaining is forgiven. So the other thing. So those were two of the three R's. The third R is the right repayment plan. So PSLF public service loan forgiveness combined with an income-driven repayment plan equals lower qualifying payments. If we're we're refinancing into a 10-year repayment program, which is what you do when you refi, um, if you're earning $200,000 a year, you're you're just going to pay off your loans in 10 years and be done with it. So you have to combine PSLF with an income-driven repayment program that calculates based on um, your income level, the number of people in your family, um, uh, what your expected monthly payment would be. And when we were on the mission field earning whatever it was, $40,000 a year, our, for a family of four, that meant our qualifying monthly payment was zero. So even though we were sending $0 in, um, and MedSend was off the hook at that point for us because our earning was so low, um, but those still counted as qualifying payments. Okay, For most people, it's going to be a few hundred dollars. Um, instead of whatever it would be, $2,400 on a $280,000 loan on a 10-year repayment plan. So there's different IDR plans. Again, these are things you need to plug and chug with your situation, but um, that income-driven repayment is a key to combine with PSLF in order to have a balance at the end of it that um, is valid. Uh, To keep your attention, three-year resident salary, seven-year missionary salary, Salary smaller, even zero monthly payment over the next 10 years, and the outstanding balance is eligible for forgiveness. So literally there could be situations where you hardly pay anything off. There was recently someone that had $600,000 forgiven through PSLF. Okay? So um, it's raining money, right? This is medicine too, right? You go by our booths and um, <laughs> So employer certification is required, and they recommend that you do it annually rather than waiting to the end of 10 years and then be like, oh, surprise, your employer doesn't qualify. And um, so annual employer certification is is recommended. Um, It is important for those of you who are thinking about taxes, oh, this is going to be a windfall. It's not a windfall. It does not get taxed as income. So it just goes away, okay? Um, average loan discharge amount, um, through to this point in the program has been about $77,000. so this is, this is the, the old, the old news. Okay. Prior to, prior to the last year or so, almost everyone was getting denied because as you can tell, it's alphabet soup. It's kind of convoluted. It's kind of confusing. Right. And so only initially only about 2% of the applicants were getting approved. Um, 59% were due to not sending enough payments in. 26% were due to missing, uh, information that improved in 2020. And again, in, in last month, they loosened things up significantly for the next year. Um, and moving forward, it should be significantly improved in terms of that approval rate. Um, so a little more about the IBR, This started back in 2009. It captured monthly loan repayment, again, based on income. If you go from being like an attending physician here to being a missionary and your income reduces by 80%, you can contact them, and they can kind of refigure the numbers based on a significant change in your circumstance um, and make an adjustment. But for the most part, it's based on your prior year income and family size, not based on your balance or your interest rate. Okay, It's based on the money that's coming in. And it does require annual recertification. So, um, and it's no more than ten. The way they figure it is no more than 10% of what they describe as your discretionary income, which is the difference between your gross income and 150% of the federal poverty line, which is about 40 grand for a family of four in 2021. So, if you were earning 40 grand, um, then your qualifying monthly payment is zero, and then it just gradually goes up from there. Um interest is capitalized if you no longer qualify for IBR, or if you miss annual recertification. So you have to re-register for this income-based figuring of what you owe each year. Um, and so if you, as long as you do that, the interest doesn't get added onto your loan that you're incurring from paying less money. And the eligible loans for this are similar for their federal loans, similar to what you need for PSLF. Um, and with IBR, without PSLF, any outstanding balance after 20 years is forgiven. But we're not worried about that because you guys are all going to be public servants, missionaries is a better word. But um, so here's um, a, a loan simulator, um, a link to that uh, that you can kind of figure out which income-based re- or income-driven repayment plan would work for you. So what's the catch? Like sounds too good to be true, right? How is it that the federal government is going to forgive $200,000 plus of student loans for missionaries. So potential cats, feds pull the plug on this program. It just goes away. So the consequence of that is you pay off the money that you owe, right? It's not the end of the world. Um, You come back from working overseas and start making too much to qualify for for the program. In that case, you resume your full monthly payments but it's based on a 10 year repayment program so if you you know if you've been serving for 5 years overseas with 5 years of medsend and or medsend paying small payments on your loans then you come back and you're making full 10 full payments on a 10 year repayment term for 5 years but those other 5 years you don't have to go back and pay them back You're you're still going to get forgiven. And that's why we had, even though I've been making most of an attending salary here for a few years, we still had that money left on our loan, and so that was forgiven because of our prior mission work. Um, So it still is is to your advantage. Um, If you come back from working overseas and don't go back to work in the U.S., you can still qualify for income-directed repayment. Um, where, your, where your monthly payment is reduced. But if you aren't doing that 30 hours a week, um, you wouldn't qualify for public service loan forgiveness. You'd just have a reduced monthly payment. So, And then, then if you go back to work, then you can start racking up qualifying payments again. Um, so the worst case scenario, in my opinion, is that first row the feds pull the plug on PSLF. It's disappointing. The financial penalty is that your pay, potentially the, the amount on your loan has been growing because of interest. But, I mean, it's money that you owed anyways, theoretically. And so it's, it is what it is. But there, at this point, there's no reason to think this is going to happen anytime in the foreseeable future. Um, okay, so here's the caveat. Back in October, and this is why my loans were forgiven last night, the, they made an announcement that as – so is anyone out there who's been working for a while and who, who's out in the workforce who still has student loans – Okay, I won't won't harp on this too much. Basically, they kind of retroactively refigured what the rules were and made certain payments count that weren't supposed to count. So if you guys have, like, family members who are a few years out of school and have been working for for government or nonprofit, have them check this out because they could be in for a windfall. Um, So COVID relief was another thing. So during COVID from... March of 2020, up until this coming January, no one's had to make any pay- repayments on federal student loans. And there's been no interest accruing during that time. And they still counted as qualifying payments. It was like, it was like manna from heaven, other than the fact that we're in the midst of a global pandemic, which was hideous. So, um, but that's coming to an end in January. So I'm going to give you a few quick examples, um, just to kind of put some... Flesh on the bones here of, of what, what might happen to a real person and how this could work out. So Phil is graduating from medical school this fall. He has 160 grand in debt. He's going to do a residency, but then he's, under, he's unsure if he'll pursue medical missions um, or work for a few years before going overseas. What should he do? And my apologies, these are physician-centric, but they can apply to pharmacists or to whomever has student loans. Okay. Um, so assuming he has an interest rate of four or five. 60k annual salary during a residency, 45k as a missionary, 350k as a general surgery sal- salary. And Phil's going to stay single. Um, without IBR, he's going to be paying about 1,700 a month. With IBR, during residency, 340 a month. After residency, 180 a month. Total paid at 10 years, 170,000 dollar savings. That's money that. MedSend doesn't have to pay off, and they can put towards MedSend nationals, okay? Or if, yeah, or um, or other U.S. or yeah, or they can fund ten times as many U.S. grant recipients. They could fund everyone in this conference, going potentially who had student loans. Um, okay, so let's say Phil's not a missionary. If you're if you're doing a residency, this is the this is the other secret. Even if you're not going into missions, and and um, if you're, if you're in med school or going that direction, or if you're going to do like a post PA residency and be earning less. Um, so you, if you have a period after your training where you have low earning, um, where your monthly payment would still be reduced, this still makes sense for you. Okay. Cause in his situation during residency, he'd be paying off 340 a month, pay about 20 K. And then after residency, He's paying five years at full monthly payments, but he's still forgiven at 10 years. So he's paying about two grand per month out, but he's still only paying $140,000, way less than the 198 he would have have owed. So it still makes sense to do it, even if you're not going to be a missionary. Um, Here's another example. Jenna, 200K, 4% interest, married with two kids. She's going to do a family practice residency for a few years, 60K a year she's bringing in. So... If she didn't, if she just paid off her loans on a 10-year term, 2200 a month. If she does IBR, income-based repayment, $193 a month, saving $225,000. It's a huge amount of money. So this is a busy slide, but basically um, this is adjusted gross income on the, on the Y-axis. On the X-axis, it's your student loan debt burden, okay? So, most people come out, you know, say you owe a hundred, somewhere between a hundred and two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. If you're earning more than fifty or seventy five thousand dollars as a missionary, then I want to know who your agency is. Um, this color blue, which is all this stuff, PSLF is a no brainer, okay? So, anyone up in this range, unless you have some compelling reason not to, you should be planning on PSLF. And then, even if you're earning more, you know, if you have if you have higher amounts of debt, it still is a smart thing to do. And this is a, a good um, website as well. And I give that in resources in the end. So MedSten still fits if you do this 100%. Um, they will they'll pay that reduced monthly IDR payment. And if you decide that it's not for you, they'll still pay for you. But I would again challenge you: let's use our, steward our resources wisely, collectively, and mobilize as much as we can for Kingdom work and be shrewd with how we. Um, take advantage of the programs that are offered to us by the government. We're paying these taxes, so um, or someone is, or maybe our kids are, but <laughs> it's, it's out there. Um, so bottom line, if you're going to be, in my this is my opinion. Randy gave his opinion on um, this is my opinion. If you're going to be a medical missionary, or even if you're just planning on doing a residency or reduced earning period after your training years and staying here, there are only a couple reasons not to consider Participating. One is you're not willing to take the time and effort to jump through the hoops. The other is you don't believe the feds will still have this program in 10 years. Or if you're planning a short time amount of time overseas and don't want a shorter repayment window, like say you want to keep your loans on a 30-year repayment window, then fine. Uh, but those would be the only three reasons I think you ought not to do this. I'm not going to go through these. These are, if you're looking in the slides, these are some more granular pro tips that I found to be useful through my um, years of going through this. These are sources for you to look at, and I would um, point out there's a Facebook group that I found to be very helpful. It's the PSLF Phys- Eligible Physicians Facebook group, and it's just people sharing their tips and experiences, and if you have questions, you can go out there and get it kind of crowdsourced, uh, get answers. Um, thank you very much for your attention. Uh, again, this I know. This is drinking from a fire hose, um, and so please don't feel bad if you lost me halfway through or a third of the way through because of all the acronyms and alphabet soup. But just I hope that at least seeing Jenna get $225,000 of her loans forgiven captures your attention and piques your interest, it makes you say, huh, I should dig into that a little more," and also makes you say and, and tell anyone who you come across. Who is interested in medical missions is like, I don't know, I got my debt. Say, that does not need to be a barrier to healthcare missions for anyone. Anyone. There's no reason anyone who is going to school and is a U.S. citizen has to even have that enter the equation in terms of how they're making this decision. So please send them in our direction, in MedSense's direction, and we can help them navigate that. So, and there's our emails. And again, those are on the
0: on the slides, too. So thank what, you. What questions? What questions do you have? We've said a lot. Yes, sir. For medicine, does it have to be a federal student loan or do yeah. other loans qualify? Some other loans qualify. It just depends on which ones they are. Some do not. But, uh, many of them do. So the question was... Which which loans qualify? Many of them do. And we'll, you know, if you're, if you're concerned, send the, us an email and we'll answer that specifically. I'll just hold it. Okay. Well, other questions? The other thing is we don't tell you one way or the other whether to take PSLF. We would like you to, but that's your conscience and your work uh, because, like Doug said, it helps us send more, and we're all about sending more. Uh any other questions so you, you understand what we're talking about here? We're here to help you go, and we won't take out your parents. Yes, sir? So uh, I had a question about
2: for Doug, oh, yeah. about the, um, the
1: IBR. So I know for a pharmacy, you don't do residency as long as you look for a physician. If you would do it, if I was to go for two years, would it just be those two years of residency and then the other eight years, of the time you just pay the normal. So the question is um, if you have a two-year period of reduced earning postgraduate compared to what you'd make as a full-fledged practitioner of your of, – as a pharmacist, um, if, if it would still make sense. Yeah, so yeah, it would because – so for two years – so say you're earning just $120,000 or whatever uh, uh, would be your full income. And say you're earning 60 grand as, as a PGY one and two, so you're making reduced payments for those for those two years, um, and then if assuming you don't go into missions and have a and have a higher earning for those last eight years, yeah, you're gonna pay a closer amount like this like the surgeon did. He paid 100 and 150 instead of 190. So it might only be a $20,000 difference, but $20,000 still real money, you know. <laughs> And so it's only when we're talking about 250, you know, in in some other examples. But even if it's just a couple years of of a reduced payment, it still makes sense to pursue. And that's assuming that you are going to be practicing here afterwards. If there's any missions added into that, even if it's six months here, three years there, then it even makes it more tip in the favor. And ideally, it's PGY two years and then eight years on the mission field, and voila, it's all gone, so.
0: Any other questions? Uh, the only I like to do is, you know, very seldom do I ever get a bunch of students here and you get to ask a board member something. Uh, Doug, any other thing you want to share in terms of your observations or something that we could have covered that you thought of?
2: Well, I think it's important to realize that uh, 90% of our applicants are accepted, so it's not, that it's, it's not a walk in the park. It's a complex application, but in the end, we're for you. <laughs> We want to help, and 90% of the time, we actually do. The other thing, I I think you mentioned it, that about 10% of our grant recipients are in the U.S. They're serving with CCHF. They have a booth downstairs. So if if the U.S. is your concern, then we can certainly walk alongside you. And then we have the same – Randy went into detail about the unreached uh, groups that we pursue, and and that's that's a great source of joy to us that about forty percent of our grant recipients are serving in in uh, places close to conventional missionary work. Thanks thanks though. Man, it
1: really is cool to have a board member here because he's the one that sits there. Uh all right, you don't have anything else? And it's also real cool to have two Dougs. Yeah. So you guys yeah, are I lucky. Really like that. So
2: U.S.-based uh, uh, locations for medicine grant recipients. So they're all affiliated with the Christian Community Health Fellowship. Most of them are urban, but some of them are rural. Uh, I, frankly, I've gone on their website to try to figure out more about them. I, I failed. <laughs> it was probably my stupidity. But regardless, um, they've got a lot of clinics, and they are right here uh, during this conference, and I would encourage you to speak specifically with your questions about U.S. service uh, to those folks that are at that display. Yeah. Uh, I think of CCHF. Lawndale. is one. Yeah, some of them are gigantic. Lon- Lawndale is an incredible operation. And then some of them are just clinics in West Virginia right. kind of thing. Uh, I think
0: there's one here in Kentucky, uh, and I think there's one in Tennessee. Memphis, and I think there's one in Philadelphia and then some other places. There's
1: a big one in Buffalo too.
0: Buffalo,
1: okay. Yeah, Staten Island, New York is another, yeah, one. That's another Beacon. one. Yeah, Beacon and Staten Island. Right. You can, you can do rotations at those places too as students. So, And actually CMDA has scholarships for that. So, Another way you can not have money be a barrier to you doing missions. Any other questions? Handouts if you want any. Handouts and don't forget the um, scan on your way out. And please um, email, or I'll be intermittently down at the CMDA booth, and Randy will be at the Medsend booth, so you can stop by and talk to us there too, um, or or shoot us a note. So, thank you very much.